Welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for another episode of WVU Marketing Communications Today. Brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia University and their data marketing communications program. It's a syndicated show that sits squarely at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and modern marketing practices. With a rotating crew of hosts today, we're privileged to have with us Nathan Peratt. Nathan, how are you, sir? Doing good. How are you? I'm okay. How are you how are you weathering uh, through everything here? Okay, what part of the country are you in right now? Well, right now I'm in Texas. It's springtime in Texas. A little bit of allergy season in the air, yeah, but uh, right. the weather's quite nice today. So. Well, it's drizzling in Orange County, California, so we're all oh. depressed out here today. You know, Whenever it yeah. rains in uh, paradise, it's a tough day here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. today you're going to talk about amplifying executive voices with social media. Consumers today expect businesses and executives to take a stand. It has never been more important for that C-suite to have a voice and a platform on which to share it. Many companies dedicate time and energy to the brand's social media presence. They don't feel like it's the right channel for an executive communications or that it's already too late in the game to get started from scratch. So in this podcast with Lindsay and her background, we are going to talk about the shifting expectations for CEOs and how social media can help with positioning and ways for organizations to build or enhance a successful digital executive communications program. Well, Lindsay says she's willing to talk about this any day, every day. So let's see if we've got her here today to talk about this. Lindsay, you with us? Yes. Hi there. Give us some background. Who's Lindsay? Um, I received my master's actually from the WVU IMC program in 2015 um, and a marketing degree before that. I'm currently a vice president at Edelman, where I've worked for more than four years. And I'm a member of our uh, corporate and advisory services team with a digital background. So in my role, I work a lot with clients to help them really translate their business objectives um, into compelling stories for different stakeholders. And that oftentimes involves working with executives and CEOs um, as they're such, you know, an important part of telling that corporate story. That's great. And you gave us that awesome introduction to this topic. One of the things you said in that intro was consumers expect businesses and executives to take a stand. So from your perspective, what does that mean and how has that changed over the years? This is really one of the most timely observations. I think it's driving a lot of the work that that those of us in marketing are doing right now. There's been a lot of research lately about customers voting with their wallets or having a preference for purpose-driven brands. And of course, this idea of corporate social responsibility has really been around for decades. It's nothing new, but it's moving into the forefront. Um, It's not just a program anymore. It's a way of doing business. And so expectations are changing with that. We saw, I guess it was back in August, the Business Roundtable, they made a statement really redefining the actual purpose of a corporation going beyond financial shareholders. And so really embedding this into every part of a company's business is becoming more and more important. I can speak to some of the research that my company has done. Um, Edelman's earned brand study a couple years ago showed that belief-driven buyers are actually in the majority for the first time in every global market surveyed. And that's across age group and income level. And then this year's Edelman Trust Barometer is kind of looking specifically at how different factors affect corporate trust. And I think trust is important because it really gives a business the license to operate. It insulates you against risk to some extent. Trusted organizations see stronger recommendations from employees and from customers. 
And what we see is that this year in 2020, uh, 73% of the general population surveyed believes that a company can take actions to both increase their profits and improve conditions in the communities where they operate. And a huge majority we've seen here over year say they want the CEO to be speaking up about specific issues, whether that's climate change, automation, income inequality. More than half want their CEO to be outspoken on controversial issues. So these are employees looking for leaders to share perspectives, and we see it from the general public too. In terms of change over the last few years, I think it's a a nine-point increase we've seen over the past three surveys in that number saying that CEOs should be taking the lead on change. Again, what we see is people really looking towards business to do that, and bridging that gap is so important, and, and that's where I see a lot of the opportunity in this moving forward. That's some really interesting numbers. Seventy percent people actually want the company to do social good, but don't mind or speak into the into the community and don't mind if they're also you know trying to do good business as well and make money. That's really interesting. What does social media add to the mix, right? If, if these organizations are already have robust executive positioning programs and lots of speaking engagements and media opportunities. I know uh, my boss is trying to get on that media circuit and do those kind of speaking engagements. And we've talked about, is social media the right platform for him to use? What does social media add to the mix? Look, media is important. I'm never gonna say, stop doing media, stop doing speaking engagements. And people still really, really like to see their name and their company name out there. And I think that's so important, but I guess a couple of different things that social media adds to the mix. One is there's really a level of directness and authenticity that you, you get through social media and you just don't get that same level of communication when someone's making a speech or giving answers in a panel. Social media kind of fills that gap. The other piece of it I'd say is really being able to own the conversation. I'm a big believer in owned content. Of course, in this case, I'm considering social media a form of owned content in the sense that you're the one creating it. But an executive can do all the media training in the world, highly polished, and you still don't necessarily know what key points are going to come through in an interview. Or maybe they come across even as too polished and they lose some of that authenticity and relatability that is so important. I think a great way to get your message out there and capitalize on all the work that's gone into that comprehensive plan for an executive is to make sure you're also sharing it through own channels and own social channels. Try to create something that audiences want to engage with that is getting your talking points across and then see where that message goes. I think it's fair to say that social media platforms are pretty crowded and someone like my boss who doesn't really have a presence can someone just start out and actually be able to build a presence? Is that really track back to that strategy you were talking about? Yeah, I mean, the the short answer is yes, definitely yes. Social media is crowded for sure, but I think an exec without a presence can definitely get started. And you're exactly right. I think that the most important thing is really to start strong by planning and doing your research. First, what's the goal? Going back to the basics, if it's just that someone's interested in social media, well, great, but you need to be able to really like turn that into sustainable and, and relevant content. If there's a, a business goal or a communications objective you can tie it to, you're really helping to lay the foundation. And like you said before, social is usually part of a broader communications plan. It's not a standalone. 
So you take a look, you know, what else is the executive doing? How can you use that to your advantage? Speaking engagements are part of the plan. Great. There are some people that you can connect with right there and, and help yourself get started. If employee communications is a big focus, how can you take some of that content and modify it to be used externally? So there's lots of kind of quick things you can do to start. You also have to think about your audience. What are they interested in? How does that align with your expertise? Other things that you know your executive is speaking about or being quoted on. What are other leaders in the industry saying? Maybe some peer benchmarking and comparisons. And then where's that white space? You know, like this stuff is like so basic or it, it can seem so obvious to us as communicators, but a lot of times we skip over it, I think, from the start. Especially if you've got an executive that's excited to get started, you really want to like push forward and like the team wants to launch. You know, there's an event coming up. We've got to do this now. But it's so important not to push that back, that background work to the side, really work from a consistent strategy, because that's what will help you start strong and then build a strong presence. That intentional effort on uh, how the message is going to be released over a course of time or how it tracks yeah. back to that calendar or that you know, those events and those audiences is really important. And I agree, sometimes the, the boss gets a little excited and you find yourself drinking from a fire hose and trying to get him to understand you gotta we gotta make sure that the plan's clear and intentional and then we can we can do this right it's gonna it's, it's gonna happen but like get it written down so that everyone can refer back to it exactly and and so we get on social media and we know that that platform can really start to become a place where people like to complain We've seen that with some of our politicians and you know actually lashing out against big brands directly on Twitter how would you counsel an organization that's worried about an executive kind of getting caught up in that potential backlash or dialogue? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, I mean, it's not wrong to ask, but it's it's kind of a simple answer and that like these things are going to happen regardless of whether the CEO or the organization is visible on social media or not. I think it's always better as an organization to have more visibility into the conversation and what it's about, even when that's negative. The key is really just good planning. If your executives are active on social and that's not a part of your crisis communications plan, then that needs to change. If you don't have a crisis communications plan, that really needs to change. I think in today's world, you know, not being on social, it doesn't make you somehow immune from a potential backlash. You just have to be prepared for it as a possibility and know how to respond, or maybe how not to respond. I think that's another conversation to have with the executive, especially if they're more hands-on or if they do tend to be more reactionary. It's, it's important to have a plan and, and stick to the plan. You're not going to avoid that backlash by not being present for the conversation. Have you found that when executives do get on social media, that your crisis communication plan needs to be a little more nuanced to those platforms? Or is the crisis communication plan a more general, this is how we're going to handle crisis? I guess the question um, is, does social require a specific crisis plan? Or is it just, in your experience, a more general overview for that? I would recommend that social have more specific crisis plan. I think different channels can be treated differently. But a general plan is never going to be as actionable as a plan with more specifics. And so especially with execs, I think the more documentation you can have, even things like who do you want to accept connection requests from? And really thinking through like a protocol for that. Yeah, How might yeah. we put paid behind a post and, you know, go through those plans. And that applies for crisis situations too. 
All right, well, we're going to go to break real quick, and then we'll be we'll be back. Just long enough to remind everybody that this show is brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia University and their unique, special online data marketing communications program. It's the first graduate program of its kind in the country, focusing on strategic thinking, critical problem solving, and informed decision making. The data marketing communications program prepares you for your career by learning the real-world innovative tactics being pioneered today from award-winning faculty, featured folks from all over the country like those here today, and students as well who contribute their uh, continuing knowledge uh, like our guest today here. So if you want to learn more, there's one place to go. You know it by now. It starts with DMC for Data Marketing Communications, dmc.wvu for West Virginia University, dmc.wvu.edu. Okay, can I ask a quick question before we jump back in here with all the coronavirus scare and the market's turbulence? Is it ever more important for CEOs to get ahead of this and get out there? It is so important that CEOs take the lead on communicating this, both what their organization might be doing publicly if they have that customer-facing situation, or also letting people know what they're doing internally for their employees and the policies that they're making inside their company. People are looking for that information to come from the executive. I certainly think so. I think that more and more they want to hear from the man at the top here, or the woman at the top here. And they, want to hear from the, they don't want to just hear a generic press release. They want to get assurance. And I think that's what people are exactly. looking for. Yeah. I just had to throw that in there because everybody's so worried about uh, so many turbulences here. And are CEOs ready for this? Are they, are they prepared to handle crisis management? And it seems like they become more astute at this. More and more of them get ahead of it. But so many of them, I think back to the British Petroleum guy who was, uh, I think, fired afterwards because he was so laissez-faire and, and blasé about the whole thing and sent the wrong message, not through his words, but through his actions. I do think that smart brands and smart organizations are really trying to plan ahead and think through every possibility. Um, so even when something new comes up, like coronavirus, Hopefully it's something that relates to a plan that they have and something they've talked about. And so there's always going to be negative examples that we could give out there. But I do think that more and more people are recognizing the need to be prepared so that they don't end up being one of them. Yeah, interesting. One of the internal discussions we're having on our team about our CEO getting on social media and being active on social media is the authenticity aspect. Could it be seen as inauthentic to encourage the executive to participate on social media? And I think in the case of of Carl, he's not necessarily a social media person. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? Authenticity is really important. Um, So our communications goals, So if social media is the sticking point, but you and your team think it would really help advance things, you know, I think it's worth doing some convincing. There's plenty of resources online or anyone can reach out to me uh, and I'm happy to share some that that can help make the case. But like I said earlier, people really, they expect executives to be speaking out. They find direct, unrehearsed communication more believable. And important stakeholders like investors and journalists are more and more turning to social media to do their research. Another thing I think is sometimes people have the wrong idea of social. It's not all like sharing where you're traveling or connecting with your colleagues. Um, There's a strong thought leadership component too, especially on LinkedIn and especially for B2B organizations. So good thought leadership, when it's done well, it can increase trust, purchase consideration, um, even perceived value. So 
you know, I think there's a lot of room for growth. How do you define social media? And that really helps make the case, I think, even if someone says they're not a social media person. Sometimes you really have to start small. I liked your um, comment about thought leadership. That's, that's the the care worth trying to throw in front of him. Is why don't you help us provide some thought leadership out to our customers and the B2B, and, and that seems to be helping us get some traction on a, a stronger social footprint for him. The other question I have is, you know, executives are busy. Marketing communications isn't always top of mind. Do you have tactics or ways that you have encouraged them to take time for social media? How do you get these yeah, guys to definitely. pay attention to it? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to make it as easy and, and like one step and painless as possible, especially if someone was resistant to start out. I think especially for a smaller organization, like a, a local nonprofit or a small business, you're talking about like a one-person communications team who's literally supporting everything, and now you're adding an executive on top of it. So I think, you know, one of my key tips is just making the absolute most out of any one event or engagement going on. For example, let's say someone's like giving a speech at um, a ribbon cutting event, which isn't the most exciting thing on the calendar, but it's actually full of content opportunities. You probably have a copy of their remarks. You can create a quote card or something like that for their social channels. You can probably create more than one quote card, depending how long the speech is. You'll have photos from the event itself which can be shared in real time or afterwards. Maybe you have video coverage from the local news you can share. You could look at the social channels of other people who were at the event or other organizations' blogs. Maybe they've published content that you can share too. Um, and that's an opportunity to make some connections. Thinking about taking one moment and what can you do that maybe you barely even have to get anything new from the CEO or from the executive, and you can turn that into a bunch of content. You know, that's at least five or six pieces, and you can keep repurposing them. But I think also just, you know, knowing your executive, if they're willing to spend one hour each week on social, can you batch everything together? Connection requests, a content calendar, ideas for what's coming up next week, and spend that one hour going through it? Or should you be sending them quick one-off emails with, we want to publish this, what do you think, every day? I think just really knowing that, how they want to you know, be communicated with. And then regardless whether you're like a one-person team or part of a huge process, you can just plan ahead for how that communication is going to happen. Good advice. I'm a, I am a team of one, and I'm going to be using some of those tactics. That's, <laughs> that's really helpful. Really helpful. Great. Okay, so brass tacks, executives, certainly my boss is very concerned about business outcomes. How do you measure the success of a social program? What what are you guys looking at for measurement? Yeah, I mean, it really goes back to the importance of that upfront planning we talked about earlier. If your program as a whole is aligned to broader goals, I think you can do a, a better job of setting up those measurements. You know, in general, I think most people know, like you can think of social media metrics in terms of awareness, which would be like how many people are viewing your posts or engagement you're measuring with engagement rate or even something more subjective, setting a target number of interactions that someone completes each week if you're trying to get them more engaged on a platform. But really, I think you're right. Most C-suite programs are looking for is that next level up, like how does it apply to the business? And I think there's, of course, a lot that can, can be done um, if you're driving people to the website 
you might be able to track further than, well, this person initiated in social media. Now they're applying for a job or they're visiting a sales page or they're downloading a white paper, signing up for a webinar. It could also be part of a larger measurement program for something like corporate reputation or trust. It could be part of internal employee engagement surveys. How are people feeling about their connection with an executive? Regardless would be to start with a reason for why you're doing it. Um, Because it's going to be different for every organization, and and you'll be setting your KPIs from there. I do think no matter what the business goal is and how much you might try to encourage someone to stay focused on business outcomes, people really do like to see their follower count grow. And so um, I always always like to develop just a a nice line graph that shows growth over time because Mm. it is really rewarding for everyone to see that number spike, especially if you're starting from scratch. So. Also, also, follower growth is fun to chart. That's great. We got about a minute left. Who's doing it really well? Right. Anybody come top of mind? Maybe some of you, you know, I'm sure you guys oh, are yeah. very good at your at your work. So, who do you think is doing this really well? I, I've got a couple of favorites. Sally Krawcheck, who's a finance executive, she's currently the CEO of Elevest. She's active on a few different platforms, and her content is so real. She posts a lot of photos, but also, like as a marketer, I appreciate how. She tailors her content for each platform. She encourages conversation about women and finances with her followers on LinkedIn. And on Twitter, she's more so sharing corporate news. Um, On Instagram, she's showing a lot of people that she meets with. Another great example is Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart. He really focuses on employees on his social channels. He's always featuring Walmart associates that he's meeting with and all the stores he visits. He has a really human voice. He actually started at Walmart as an associate. So it's a really unique perspective. He does also share some content that hits the corporate narrative, but the associates are the focus. And so I, I think that's really authentic um, and it, it makes him stand out from the crowd. Those are two of my favorite choices. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Check those out. I think, Lindsay, we're done. This was a great, a right. great session. Really, really fascinating stuff. Really, thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, can, can our listeners contact you? Find you on they LinkedIn? They can. They can find me on LinkedIn, send me a connection. I'm always happy to chat. Well, thanks for your time. Be safe out there. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications Today, brought to you live from West Virginia University, a weekly program that sits at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and marketing practice, only on the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you.